And we are live. Welcome to NYR DNA, a first episode, the first episode in a series of podcasts dedicated to New York Rangers hockey, um, featuring myself. I am Jack, a 19-year-old college student attending the City College of New York with a major in Sonic Arts, and I've been a New York Rangers fan for as long as I started paying attention to hockey. Um, and with me are my two co-hosts. If you guys want to introduce yourselves. I'm, uh, Dr. Mantis Tavagan. I'm a junior in high school. I've been a Rangers fan for about 13 years. And you only need to know that I am the professor. And that's the only information that you need to know about me. Okay. So... (laughs) Just some background information. This is a father son, father son's podcast. So we have here the professor who is the uh, the father, the playing the father figure, and um, me and Doctor Mantis Toboggan over here are the two brothers. So, so we believe this podcast. There are many podcasts dealing with New York Rangers hockey, right? We are fans, but this podcast we think is unique. I think this may be the only one in history going back during medieval times when they first started the podcast. I don't think there has ever been a father-son's... The pot of cast, I think is what they call it. The pot of cast, yes. Intergenerational hockey podcast dedicated to New York Rangers fandom. So we believe that this podcast will bring all the passion, strife, arguments... And love that you get in a family dedicated to talking about the New York Rangers, which is something that we have has always brought us together and made us very sad at the same time. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Good night, everybody. All right. Uh, we just also we'd like to thank our two sponsors. Um, yes. Very important. Wolf Cola and Fight Milk. Fight Milk. Yeah. Yes, and and I I should say I the uh, slogan for fight milk. It's important that you know you understand when it comes to fight milk that we finally now have a crow based protein <laughs> alcoholic drink for you. Yeah. So it's very important to to thank our sponsors Wolf Cola and Fight Milk uh, because they they're the only reason we're able to do this. All right, I guess let's start it off here. All right. Well, listen. We could we could just pick up and talk about uh, where the New York Rangers are at right now, Doctor Toboggan. What are your thoughts on this? We they've they've completed about twenty percent of this shortened season. How are you feeling? I think it's about. I think it's nineteen point six percent exactly. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Excuse me. The start was, uh, um, uh, not my. No, I don't think it was the best start that someone could ask for. I think Clem was running the first two lines. Uh, way too much, but I think I think they're starting to pick it up now. I know the loss against the Islanders, you know, the, every loss is tough, but I think you know they played better. Uh, the win against the Capitals, they played, I think, really well in my opinion. I just wish they scored. I would say I would say that Capitals game was probably the best they've played as a unit. I think all season. I think that was probably their best game. I would think so. I think a number of players played possibly their best game of the season, um, such as. We'll talk about him later, Mr. Jacob Truba. I thought he had a good game against the Caps. 
Um, but, you know, there's the whole yin and yang of this season, right? We've talked about this off air, that this is not a season that you should be devastated if they don't make the playoffs, that this is, you know, we hope they make the playoffs, but that's not what we're judging the season by, right? But at the same time, it's appearing, you know, I mean, the odds are, are getting less and less. Slim. Yeah, that this is going to be a playoff season because right now, um, I think they're just outside a playoff spot. Right now, they are actually in last place. Okay, in the division, tw- 20% so. of the season in, and there's a slew of games coming up in February against the top three teams. We should also um, point out that as of this uh, recording, it the date right now is uh, February 9th, 2021. So as of right now, they are in last place, and they just lost to the Islanders last night. Just wanted to put that out there, and they play the Bruins tomorrow. Right. So, I mean, look, lots of – who knows what could happen. I mean, uh, they came out and played a great game against the Caps the other night, and you know maybe they'll come out and beat the Bruins tomorrow night. I, I wouldn't shock me. And I don't think they played too poorly last night. No, 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 not at either. all. Not at all. Not at all. It's just this may be one of those situations where you get off to uh, a bit of a slow start, and it's going to be tough to recover in a short like season. Like the Mets. Like the Mets. But – The bottom line, I mean, what do you guys think? The bottom line is uh, it's a blessing and a curse that I think they're just not getting production from their their big guys. Well, Panarin is giving them production. Of course. It always does. That first line is killing them. But at the same time, you know, I think that it's it's not a a good thing that if if your first line doesn't score, that basically means, you know, you're going to start off the season in last place. You know, I think they rely so much... And last year as well, on that first and second line, Panarin and Zibanejad, it kind of masked some of the other weaknesses. But what do you all think about that? Luca, you want to take yeah, it? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the first line is not doing their job. I think we can all agree on that. They're not scoring. They're not producing. I think Mika has, what, two or three points? I think three Something points he like has. That. Two He's on pace 15 yeah, points Yeah, he got that season. assist on the empty netter. Uh, against Washington. That was his third point, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Mika, but I hope he can snap out of it. I I think in, in, in terms of standings and playoffs and that uh, conversation, uh, again, this isn't... I don't think we were going into the season picturing uh, a playoff run or, may, or not even a playoff appearance, given that they are playing in one of the the actually the hardest division to play in um in a 56 game season but uh having said that after beating the capitals on what was it friday thursday last thursday something like that they um were within a win of that fourth playoff spot that mm-hmm. that play- so let's say they beat the islanders last night they right now would be in a playoff spot and i don't think that's a terrible look now, like you said, well, um, yeah, it's true. Like Mantis Toboggan said, I mean, it's not like they've played terribly. They, you know, and Quinn has talked about this all year. I mean, they they've been in these games. You know, they, so it's like it's it's a it's the yin and the yang. At the same, you want you want to see them win, but you can't say that they've been horrendous. They've had a couple no. of clunkers for sure. Yes, um, but you can't say that they've been horrendous. But at the same time. You know, at a certain point, you don't want to keep saying, well, they played well enough to win, but they lost. But again, 
it this comes back to the central question that we've been kicking around is you know i don't know i'm sure david quinn wants to win every game just like the players do and jeff gordon does and jd does but if the real goal is to develop the young players i'm all for that because i don't think they're winning the cup this year i don't think they're contending for a cup next year and maybe not even the year after so I just feel like even more reason to make sure that these kids are getting the time to develop they need. And some of them clearly are. You know, Kay Andre Miller's been playing better than I think anybody expected. And, you know, to be fair, I guess you got to give David Quinn some credit for that. But, um, you know, we're we're hoping that uh, Lafreniere starts to, uh, you know, I mean, he's had some moments. It's still early. He's a teenager, for God's sake. But I'd love to see him get more power play time. I don't think it could hurt. I can't really. I'd love to see hurt. him get moved up to the first line. Now, I know some folks say that he doesn't play that well with Mika. or They haven't in the the, the, the short time they've played together. But, I mean, could it get much worse right now than that first line? And it's not like because I, I like when it comes to Lafreniere, I, he's shown a lot of uh, sometimes, you know, during games, a lot of spark. How he... um. He he's fast. I think uh, his acceleration is really good. He just takes off. He made a nice move. Um, I'm pretty sure against the Islanders had a shot on goal. He also had a couple of nice shots against the Capitals. He's got a quick release. He hasn't shown me. He's he's shown me a lot. Um, he hasn't not shown me that he can't be like top caliber. Well, I don't think anybody. You don't get drafted first overall. He was he was projected first overall pick for. For, for like two or three years. He's been on the map for, for a while, and obviously I don't think you're going to get drafted that high unless you have that skill set that you're talking about. Yeah. Now, the problem, or not, I don't want to say problem, but the um, usually what happens is there is a learning curve when a player, especially Lafreniere, it's harder to make that jump from juniors to the NHL than let's, let's say the KHL to the NHL or any professional league. Because, you know, juniors are still playing against uh, uh, kids. The NHL is men. So, and the, and the pace and the speed of the game is incredibly different in the NHL. So, so he definitely has the skill set. It's just, oh, yeah. it's, it's he's got to translate take his time. game into what the NHL is. And I'm that sure they time. want to ease him into it. So I shouldn't suggest that they should rush him into it. And I give Quinn credit, too. For he I'm sure has, he appreciates that. Yeah. He has... Uh, except that one game, I forget which one it was, Burlap, where he only had like nine something minutes of ice time. Mm. But most of the season, he's played top six minutes or something like that. He's gotten decent amount for a nineteen-year-old, and he was on that overtime when he scored. Yeah. So I mean, I, I give Quinn credit for playing him at least more than he did Kako last year, and even this year sometimes. Yeah. Well. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's like I said before, you want to see them win every game. Of course, you hope they win every game. Um, but we have to be realistic. Let me ask you a question. Where, where do you think they are with the rebuild right now? Are you happy with the rebuild right now? Um, how would you define the rebuild right now? It, I, I, I can't complain because g- given that, you know, 2018, they missed the playoffs but had a losing record by a long shot and then literally like the season after that they come out with the season with so many memorable moments you know the games against the islanders the benjets five goal game god mode panarin 
So, I mean, you can't com- – I think I'm lucky. I think we're lucky to be – to have the Rangers in the spot they're, uh, they're in now. So I think we can't really complain, and I think I can complain if I want. To. I think I think in the future they're they're gonna have a good team. I don't know about cup contenders. Like what Jack says a lot. Um, I feel will happen to the Rangers if we're very unlucky. What that there'll be another Toronto Maple Leafs. That everything's coming together. The first overall pick, uh, for us is Lafreniere, Capocacco. But I feel you know they're just gonna be one of those teams that don't have the playoff grit and lose in the first round, second round every season. Well then. If that if that is the evolution of this team, then I guess that's you know not a good rebuild. I know it's not it's not easy to win the cup. I'm not suggesting you could just decide, okay, we're going to rebuild, and that means every team that does that wins the cup. But that's the ultimate goal, right? That's what you're measured on to be a cup contender. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm very pessimistic, but I don't see this team as con- currently constructed being close to a cup contender in a couple of years. Well, like, uh, or three years for well, that like matter. We said, I, mean, I think you are, they're going to have to take some, they're going to have to get some players. Of course. I know. We all know that. Um, I think you are a product of being born in 1968 and seeing one championship. Are you trying one... to say that I'm old? Is that what you, a That's nice way of I saying I'm old? I never said that. I'm just saying, you know, this is the, uh, intergenerational aspect of this podcast where you have seen one cup in your entire lifetime. People born in uh, 1941 have seen one cup in their entire Mm. lifetime, Rangers fans, and it took uh, the Messiah to do it. Um, So Everybody bow your head when you say his name. So I think uh, you're a product of that when you say they're not going to contend. No, no, I'm not saying they're not going to. I just don't – I mean I just – Look, when I look at this team now, look at all the holes they have, which no, I'm not I'm saying, not saying there aren't holes. Right, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be holes. They're rebuilding. But they, right now you have a, a one center on this team, and you yes. hope, and I like Phil Heal. he's hurt. Mm-hmm. No, no, right. No, no, I know that. But when he comes back, I hope he's going to be a second-line center. I, I I think he can be. I he, hope he I is. think he should have been already. Right, but my point is still you have – you know, I, I don't think Strom's going to be around much longer, right? No, no one's um, expecting Brett Howden, if if he plays fourth line minutes, maybe you could survive with him. But they got a lot of holes on this team, and they need. There's a lot of ifs that need to work out, like in any rebuild. Right now, I look at this team though, to Mantis Toboggan's point, and um, you know, if Lafreniere does become a great player, and Kako doesn't become a great player, um. And Kravtsov doesn't come and contribute. I mean, okay. they're not going to just do it with Panarin and Zibanejad. No, let me. Okay, let me get my two cents in with that I'll, issue. I'll allow it because there's there's two different things happening there. I think when you ask like, how do we feel about what point of the rebuild they're in? Right now, I'm comfortable with it. They are breeding young talent. They got the first. They got the first pick. They got the second pick. They got Keandre Miller. They got that guy uh, Lung Lindquist, whatever his name is. Neil's Lundqvist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shesterkin in net, who's twenty four years old or mm-hmm. whatever. So I think in terms of them getting their draft picks and and filing them through the farm system, like we saw with Heedle and hopefully Kravtsov soon. Um. I think I'm happy with the way 
that's happening. They got the draft picks. They're doing they're doing the right things with them. Now, whether they all pan out or not is somewhat in their control, but somewhat not. Well, I know. Things happen sometimes. Of course. Now, of this course. could be the unluckiest five or six picks they've ever had, I guess. Now, that's on them. Uh, I guess I just... I, you I, already I, had one Lies Anderson, so I don't know how many you can I afford. wish they had more of a um, an identity as a team. And maybe that's coming. But it's it's year three of the rebuild. It's year three of Quinn's regime. And I'm not quite sure what kind of team this is because sometimes it seems like he wants them to be this type of, you know, dump and chase, muck and grind type team, which is, I guess, fine if that's your, you know, predilection. They don't have the players. But, really. but they don't seem to have the personnel, right, for that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying he wants them to be that type of team. I, I, I hear him say that, you know, you got to, you know, carry the puck, control the puck, puck possession. But I just sometimes don't seem like it doesn't seem like they have a system that they can fall back on, especially not a defensive system at all. Well, it seems that they do, but it's just fall back and it doesn't work. Yeah, although I, I, I agree with you. But then when you look at the last couple of games, they they they, they haven't given up like many shots, it seems. And, no, they haven't, yeah. But when I watch like the games, capitals. it just seems like teams just literally skate over the blue line, stop, have lunch, smoke a cigarette, and they still, you know, no one's near them, you know? I guess, you know what? I mean, there's a, been a, there's a stark difference between last year's defense and this year's defense, obviously, because there was a coaching change on the defensive end. But um, I guess, I guess if... If that defensive style, as much as we may not like it, if they can beat the Capitals with it, if they beat the Bruins with it, then, you oh, know, yeah, no, I'm I not going to complain. I agree with you. All I'm saying is this. It gets late early, right? So this is all this is all good. This is all good. They have a lot of things that they need to work out, right? But... In another year or two, if we're still talking about some of these same issues, well, okay, yeah, they're gonna be in trouble. Yes, I think they they need more. Like, because there's a four or five year rebuild and there's a nine ten year rebuild. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a, you know again, I'm exaggerating there, but I just feel that they need to make some big strides. Now, I get it, I get it. They were playing great last year when COVID hit. They were the hottest team in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some, to your point, some unlucky circumstances, I mean, obviously, you know, COVID is more important, but I mean, for, in terms of the groove they were in, it, it kind of stymied that groove, the whole bubble thing after month, you know, that was just an aberration, one hopes. And then this year you got a short season. So you get off to a little bit of a bad start. You might not have time to correct yourself. So they've kind of been, un you know, in that sense, unlucky. So that might've stunted some of their development. You know, maybe if there's no COVID last year, they make a run at the end of the season like they were. They get into the playoffs. Maybe they don't get out past the first round, but it's a much more positive experience. Environment. Right. So um, who knows? All I'm saying is, yes, I am jaded and I am cynical. And I just don't know yet if uh, I was feeling much better about it like a year ago. But yeah, I think I think. Yeah, I so think was I. Are. Yeah. But but again, maybe it's just maybe that consciousness of always expecting the worst to happen. So I, I need to be more patient. 
But I th- but I'm not going to be one of these Ranger fans that is just going to constantly have their head up their ass saying everything. The sun's always shining, you know, because I think that that's silly too. Because we've seen over the over recent history and past history, the sun often do- is not shining when it comes to the Rangers. So, um, I don't think it's wrong to say, look, they got some problems that they need to address, and I'm not so sure that some of these things, you know, I think I think part of me, um, like you said. Uh, like a year ago or a year and a half ago, you're feeling much better about the rebuild than right now. Part of me agrees with that or feels that. And part of me doesn't because part of me is also extremely excited about right now. Although they may not be playing super well or whatever. I, 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 you have to believe that um, Lafreniere becomes the player they're hoping because again, you don't get, that much attention or that high of a draft pick. I get pick, that, but the, the, to to and to just fall out. I mean, I guess it has happened, but, but it's it's not much of a it's, it's not much of a normal thing. But here's my point, though. So they, I just don't understand some of the moves. So Lafreniere, let's assume everyone keeps saying, "Well, you got to be patient." He's a kid. He is a kid. It's going to mm-hmm. take time to acclimate, right? Look at so and so. It took him three or four. Look at Nathan McKinnon. Well, okay, let's use Nathan McKinnon. So let's say it took him what four years. Yeah, like three or four to become. So let's say let's say that... it takes Lafreniere two to three years, right? So now you're talking um, two to three years to become the kind of player they hope. I mean, he's not going to be. They're not expecting him to be like a Sidney Crosby type player, but they're they're expecting to be a dominant the top winger. winger. Okay, One so let's the, say the it takes two to three years for him to start to make that impact. Well, now you're talking about two to three years, right? Into um, and you got to hope Kako makes the same impact mm-hmm. in two to three years, right? I think I think Kako should be. I think with the way he's playing, so now, that's two to three years from now before they could even think about yes. contending. And then you got to, uh, you know, Artemi's going to be what 31, 30, 32 by then. He's twenty eight. He's twenty eight now. So, so he's like, thirty one in yeah, his prime. Yeah, still right. You got Jacob so Trubo. You still 30, be paying him to something. be terrible. Yeah, eight million. I'm just saying uh, they have a lot of issues, which I don't know how they're going to put this team together. But again, they don't they don't pay me to do that, so I don't I don't know. I've and never they, done it. They do have to pay all these guys in a couple Kreider. Of years. Why did they sign Kreider? If if they knew well, that, well, it's going to take time for. We're not going to throw Alexei Lafreniere into the mix twenty minutes a game. We want to ease him into it. It's going to take a few years. Like Quinn was talking about Kako, we know the type of player he's going to be, but it's you know it's on it's on a different timetable. Well. If that's the case, then why do you go outside Kreider for seven years? You I guess could, they wanted you, that veteran time, leadership in the in the locker room. I guess that's what they signed him well, for. I, I mean, would think that's really. That, I mean, it seems to be paying off now. Well, they're going to be in that contract big in time. A good way, you mean? In a terrible way. Oh, so it's um, not paying off. No, um, and they're going to be paying him when he's going to be even worse than he is now. But like he was, he had I don't know. But he, I like uh, it by the trade deadline last year. You could have gotten something good for him. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, good. He was. And I like Chris Kreider. Could have gotten another pick. I like Chris Kreider. It's not like, but I just don't understand the logic of it. Like we're going to sign this guy because we need veterans in the in the locker room. You can't have all young players. I get it. But by the time the young players are ready to blossom, because we have to take it slow with them, which makes sense. The the Chris Kreider is going to be you know thirty four, and we're going to be paying him seven or eight million dollars a year. Like, I, 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 and then yeah. we're going to have to pay those young players, right? Because they're eventually going to need the big money. Like, I don't, I don't get it. But look, they don't pay me the big bucks to put these teams together. I'm just saying, I hope they know what they're doing. But we'll see. It don't add up. 
I just think that if Lundqvist was still around, they would no, they wouldn't no, have lost the game this year. We're not starting with this. We're going to save that. We're going to table that for another episode. I think we should. Um, we've touched upon the Capitals game and the Islanders game this week and last week, so I think we should go more in depth into that right now. Okay, toughest part of the season coming up here. This is the look. Yeah. Let's be real. Everybody hopes they make the playoffs. We're not going to jump off a roof if, if they don't. We've laid out that this is a a rebuild, right? Having said that, I think we could all agree that the next you know 2 to 3 weeks will tell the story right after the next 2 well, to 3 if they, weeks if they if they go one in whatever in the next 2 3 weeks yeah they're I not mean, going to make the playoffs but even if they have a losing record against the flyers the uh, are you talking about like the more the way they play or no no i'm saying in, in terms of again wise. this is not the measure everybody wants them to make the playoffs so just just less using that metric, I think we could probably agree that the odds are we'll know at the end of this February yeah. run against the Bruins, the Flyers, uh, Flyers the the the, um, the the Caps they play. Yeah, I think we'll know if they're going to make the playoffs. If they if they you know if in their six games against them, if they go you know uh, two and four, I just it's going to be it's going to take quite it's, a run. It yeah, seems exactly. to me to, yeah. to kind of. And they haven't been a team so far this season, at least, to put to string wing wins together uh, too well. So, what are we thinking about tomorrow night? Who do we got in net toboggan? Georgie. Georgie uh, gets back into the nets. How how are we yeah. feeling about that decision? Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I think. Look, fat. Look, fat. Here's the deal. I think from if you're Georgie in this situation. It's the first game you've played since since you walloped Tony D'Angelo off the, the the off the team. I really hope he walloped him. If I don't so, know if that happened, but I he hope he walloped Tony D'Angelo him. off the team. Okay, from a coaching standpoint, I would have played Shesterkin. I think against the Capitals, he played great. Against the Islanders, he played. I think he played probably fine, really well. I didn't have any problem with how he played the other night. Um. I get you probably want to get Georgie Net maybe just for a game after what had happened just to get his footing back and feel like he's contributing. I don't know. From a from a moral standpoint, okay. From a coaching standpoint, I would have put Chesty in just because he's he's the hot goaltender and he, I would say, is most likely going to be the starting goal. Right? He's the future probably starting goaltender, and. You know, you you gotta ride these guys most of the time. What do you think, Toboggan? You agree uh, with that? Um, yeah. Um, put put Chesty in. Uh, I would love if Georgie comes out. You know, I don't know, thirty save game against the Bruins. That'd be awesome. But he he, how long has he been out? For a while since you know Tony D'Angelo mishap, where I can totally see the Bruins put like two in in like the first minute. Wow. No, okay. I'm not saying that's not that's gonna happen. I'm saying I can I can like see father it. like son. So I wait, can so you... see it if it happens. Georgie's been out for a while. He comes in. We're all pumped for Georgie. Boom, just like that. Well, why do you think that way? Because you think he's got other things on his mind. I just feel like every time they come out from after somewhat of a break, they lose. I literally predicted um, against the Isles. They since they missed the game on Saturday. They're gonna lose. 
And yeah, but did. it wasn't Shesterkin's fault. No, it wasn't. I said right. because the Rangers oh, you mean the team. missed the game against the Devils. And they had, yeah. well, it wasn't, they missed their schedule of every other day. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? It's probably just know. coincidence, but this, I don't know. I mean, they they did play, I thought they played well last night against yeah. the Islanders. It was just 30 uh, shots on goal. They just couldn't. You know, they uh, have score. little breakdowns. Little, breakaway. Yeah, little breakdowns. And, and yeah, they don't, they have little breakdowns that seem to cost them. Um, you know, everybody's piling on Libor Hayek. And look, Libor Hayek is not projected to be a Norris Trophy candidate, you know? Uh, there's a reason why I guess the coaching staff didn't have much faith in him. I'm not saying he's terrible. I I, I think he played okay. I mean, he was on the ice for, I think, two goals. He had a terrible giveaway that led to another goal. I think, you know, against... But the... he's better than Jack Johnson, yes, for God's sake. Yes, of course. Yes. Against the Capitals and against the Islanders last night, besides the turnover that led to the Islanders' first goal. In two games, you didn't really notice Libor Hayek too much, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. And um, I think that's a good thing, and that really, to me, should mean that Jack Johnson shouldn't dress another game for yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah, it's not, Potato it, and Hayek should play. It's not bad if you're, you know, a, I don't want to call him a, like... No, um, it's not bad if you're not noticeable being like a bottom pair defenseman. Yeah, that's it what I mean. It is bad if you're not noticeable being Mika Zibanejad. Yeah, if or Jacob if, Truba. If or it was Jacob like Adam Truba. Fox or Jacob Truba, and you don't notice they're even on the ice. Now Truba was noticeable last the night. The amount of probably times, for the wrong reasons. The though. amount of times he tried to bring it around the net and just got stripped, or just forgot about it, or just yeah. pinned the puck into lots an of turnovers. Got it. Yet everybody's killing Hayek, and I get it. Now it was the turnover that right. was terrible. But he's not being. Paid $8 million a year, and he's not a top two defensive pair. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Truba, Truba I think, seriously. turned the puck over four or five times and lost it more than three. They just didn't happen to lead to goals. Right. And I just don't, I mean, everybody has to be accountable. Hayek, I'm sure, would love that playback. It was a. It was an ugly giveaway. But let's be honest. If... If they're going to win or lose games based on what Libor Hayek is doing, then then they got some major problems. I mean, they had they had their best player came in on a breakaway. That's yeah. And and look, I'm not I'm not killing Artemi. The guy has basically put the team on his back. Um, but you know they need him to score there. Unfortunately, Zabanajad too. That and one. and Zabanajad is just lost out there. Whatever the reason is, lingering effects of COVID. They might all be, you know, legitimate. Reasons, Concerns. but the bottom line is he's playing. He's playing on the first line, and right now they're getting zero I, out of him, and he just looks. I saw that like a shell of all, himself. All, all over. So Twitter. let's put let's put the onus on those guys. Jacob Truber, eight million dollars a year. They paid him like a top pair defenseman, and there are times when he looks completely lost out there. Mm -hmm. So, I think that the onus is on those folks. Libor, bad giveaway. But this idea of like, oh my God, we lost because Libor Hayek was in the lineup. I mean, that's just to me ridiculous. I, um, I saw that all over Twitter after the game and mm -hmm. today. Just, you know, Hayek, the turnover. Hayek, turnover. I saw on Instagram, Hayek, turnover. Uh, Like, are we going to ignore the fact that they haven't scored on Semyon Varlamov this season? Yep. Two power plays. Two power, no. three power three plays. Three power plays. Their power plays. Three power plays, terrible. 30 shots. No goals from a team that's supposed to have this electric offense. Their first line is supposed to be like, oh, my God, KZB, KZB. I mean, Panarin breakaway, no goal. 
Zibanejad had that great chance. He had like two great chances, no goal. Kako had a chance at the end that he made a nice save on, but it was towards the end of the game. But I mean, like, okay, Hayek made a terrible turnover and they scored with eight minutes left. The Rangers didn't score all game. They didn't, they didn't, I don't, they got maybe two good chances to score. Their offense, most of their good offense was created by the second, third, and fourth line. Yeah. When you got most guys of their like... sustained pressure was not the first line. The fourth, The first line has not looked like the first line. And I think when you just pin one, you can't just pin one turnover. You can't pin one game on one turnover, especially if that game is a game where you got shut out. Because chances are, when you play a team on any given night, they're going to score at least one goal. The, the odds are in those uh, are in that favor. So, I mean, so you have to respond somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, their third, fourth line, you got guys like Rooney, PDG, who I feel like, um, first of all, since Heedle's injury, um, PDG's been my favorite player. Uh, Panarin's up there, of course, but he's like, like the Islanders. The reason, uh, big reason for their success, their roster is just stacked of players like Di Giuseppe, who skate hard. He's fast too. Who dump and chase, who go after the puck, who for their forecheck is amazing. You know they might not have the greatest shot, but they're everywhere you go. It's it, everywhere you go. He's there. Mm-hmm. You, you he suffocates them. Like I just wish. Yeah, I'm gonna buy a PDG jersey. Yeah. I think. he's an animal. Third He's a and fourth pest to line play against, and I love was, it. Electric last night. They were right. Well, so yeah, many I mean, chances. look, the guys they're counting on to score are just not carrying the load right now. Except Panarin. Except Panarin. And then Except we Panarin. can get into the booch thing. But then, but... But then, it, then it gets to the point, well, can, should we? And this, this gets to my point. Are some of these guys they're counting on misplaced? Like, should you be counting on Ryan Strom to replicate what he did last well... year? I know Buchnevich, <laughs> according to the metrics, has wonderful stats, but like, is Buchnevich a top line left winger in the NHL no. on a team that, I mean, maybe for a team like the Rangers that maybe probably won't make the playoffs, I guess you could say. Yeah. But if your goal is to advance to that point where you're contending and you're making the playoffs every year, if your first line left wing is Buchnevich, I think you're in trouble. Now, the projection is that he's going to get better and better. I don't see it. I could. What do I know? I'm just a professor. I don't do this for I don't. I don't drink Diet Coke. And work for a radio station and know everything. I'm just speculating, but what I've seen, what I've seen is that Buchnevich is not going to score a lot of goals. You mean you mean Wolf Cola, not Diet Coke? You oh, drink yeah. Wolf Cola. No, you have I, to say I, Wolf Cola. I was Cola making a little joke. I was Cola. making a joke about a certain radio personality. I'm ta- okay, but you have to Diet s- Coke all the time. You have to say Wolf Cola. Or we will. You have. Well, to say I say Diet wrong. Coke in a disparaging way. So I'm actually, of course, everybody knows Wolf Cola is better than Diet Coke. My point is, you know, Wolf. Never mind. Butch Nevich, Butch Nevich. Every time we mention Wolf Cola, we earn ten cents. Uh, Butch Nevich is. Um, I just don't see it. I know people love I know, the guy. I know people love him. They say they say I know. they basically say he is, is the one of the reason few things that we agree on. That, even if he's not on the ice. It's almost like a Henrik Lundqvist thing that's being created around Buchnevich. Even when he's not on the ice, it seems like people are saying that the team scored because Buchnevich did something he, from the last bench. Last night, he tried a pass, got blocked. He got it back, tried the same pass, and got, got blocked. blocked again. Now, again. It's not personal. I think no. the, I think he tries hard. He could be good. As, and I think he is a decent player. It's not yeah. that he's a bad player, but I don't think he's a first-line winger. Or why second is he on the first line? Like exactly. 
because apparently listen, that line listen. has so much chemistry, like as you've seen the past ten games, that they can't be broken. He up. He has the stats to back it up, I guess. Now he's he, now. What do I know? I he's know got what seven points, eight points. That makes him second or third on the team. I forget the exact placement. That's where he is right now. Best and, season to score twenty-one goals. Yes, not his best not, season, not horrible. No, but twenty-one goals, right? His best season to score was twenty-one that, goals. Yeah. That was what last year. No, two. I, I don't think it was last year. Was no. he on the first power play unit that year? He scored twenty-one goals. I honestly don't. I don't think it, it was like two or three years. You ago. Young kids should know all these. I don't, it was about two or now. three years ago. We'll get Luca on it. Or sorry, Doctor Zbogin. Right, so Buchnevich, um but but yes. twenty-one goals was 2018-2019 season. Okay, so two two seasons ago. So his production's been going down, even though he's getting first power More play time. units. Right, he's playing with their best center. Yeah, but you can make the argument now. He's playing with their best center. He's going to get more points, obviously. Zavanejad is not getting any points at all. Okay, well, then that's the chicken or the egg, you know? I mean, it brings us to the Ryan Strom or Temi Panarin connection. That's not even a question. That's not even a question. Strom's got six points in his last seven games. He's picking I, it I up. Want you, tell me why you think that is. Did you see the pass to Panarin made him that game? Who they play against, Luca? The game where Panarin made that Luka? pass to Strom. The toboggan. Which one? They want. Was he it makes the, many passes. Was it the Sabers game? It doesn't matter. I think it was the yeah, Sabers game. It was, a, it was two it games. It was the ridiculous, most ridiculous pass I've ever seen. You can tell me Ryan Strom, who's been a fourth line center his entire life, on every other team he's played on, is 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 all of a sudden scoring sixty points? Really? Well, really? he did. He did, and I want you to tell me why. Now let's put. Now think about. It. I want you guys to just imagine this. I saw this tweet. Just close your eyes and imagine Heedle comes back into the lineup. The second line is Heedle, Panarin, Kako. That's good. Isn't that great? Isn't that great to think about? He'll never do it, Quinn. I think he will. I think he I will. Don't. But you know what? That's and just I, a good thought. And and I hope he doesn't because then when we have Why? the podcast that week, I could I could you be could proven right that you know that there's no logic in the approach. Either either you're trying to win now, or you're trying to build for the future. You can't have both. Oh well, yeah. We I mean, we were course, saying that of, when when Hedo wasn't hurt. Of, of course, you can strong. have both. Of course, you're trying to win the game. I'm not saying you're going to go out and not care. But my point is, if the if the goal is to develop the kids, then Hedo, when he comes back, has got to be the second line has center. And Ryan Strom, who the odds are will not be here in another year or two, has got to go to the third line. And any notion that there's some sort of magic between Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. I just can't imagine that these people feel that. Now, there, there's magic, but it's only flowing one way. From Panarin to if he was playing with a, 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 a traffic light. Uh, the a traf- monkey. Um, yes, they would, they would score because he's that good. So you could break that combination up, but I don't know. I think Coach Quinn seems to think that they've created some sort of magical connection last no. year. It's, 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 it's kind of funny that when Panarin came into the league undrafted, mind you, his Calder winning season. I also was undrafted. Yes. Just so you know. What was that? 2015? Yeah, 2015 because he beat McDavid because McDavid got So hurt. I have that in common but, with Artemi. Okay. They were saying, well, Panarin's just a product of Patrick King because they were on the same line and they were the dynamic duo. They were the best duo in hockey. Um, And now, like now you're going to take, oh, look at this Patrick Kane. He's just feeding Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin. And that's why he's, and then you're going to tell me, Ryan Strom and Panarin have chemistry. 
It's like, okay, maybe Panarin and Kane had chemistry, yeah, and probably he got a lot of points because he was with Patrick Kane and stuff like that. But you're going to not admit that Ryan Strom's not getting a lot of points because of Artemi Panarin? And I realized, like, some people are probably like, okay, so what's the big deal? Ryan Strom's getting points because of Panarin. That's great. Ryan Strom's not going to be on the team in two years. Yeah, I, I have no problem with him getting mm-hmm. the points. It's a question of— No, it's of, great. I'm good for him. I'm take, happy. He shouldn't stunt Heedle's Exactly. And I think, and I think when line. we say things like, well, are we, are we developing the, the young guys or are we trying to win? You have to choose one. You can't have it both ways. Well, Play Heedle. You but, have to put Heedle yeah. on the second line. When he comes back, he he has to be on the second line. I think. I think it's a no brainer. But I guess. So we'll what see. do you think? What do you think about the possibility then? Do you think that let's assume Heedle comes back? Um, you know, let's say in a month from now, <laughs> or whatever he's supposed to do back. He was about four to six weeks. Yeah. that was a few weeks ago. So let's say March 1st. Do you think that this would be a dereliction of a dereliction of duty if Quinn does not put Lafreniere on the first line with Buchnevich and Zabanajed because I don't think he's going to demote the the entire first line and then move Heedle up to the second line with Panarin and Kako? I mean to me I feel like you have to do that. I think why wouldn't you do that? I get these I would say kids the only, rolling like he's rolling Keandre Miller. I would say the only reason he it's um, easier to roll Keandre Miller. It, it is, and I guess he's he's earned it to some degree. But I mean, look, the kid's not, and or should he be perfect? I mean, he makes a lot of mistakes, but they're letting him roll through them. Like so, he also makes a lot of really great plays. He does, yeah. he does. But you know what? Lafreniere's played on like thirty different lines. Yeah, in I 10 know. Games. It's unbelievable. I don't think he's been on the same line for more than two games. You got five minutes in, he switched lines uh, a couple of times. And the first yeah. few games, he was actually playing on his, ro- the, the, his the, wrong wing. His, his wrong, wrong side. wing. Yeah. So here you have, we got to ease them into it, ease this kid into it. He has to get acclimated. And we're like, oh, kid, by the way, you're playing a position you haven't played, you know, in I don't know how many years. And you're going to play with different guys every yeah. night. Right. So I feel like let, let's see if they get a little more uh, consistency, if they can start to show you that they they can earn those minutes. I think the only reason that Quinn wouldn't do that, in my mind at least, the only reason I wouldn't do that if I was David Quinn, is if uh, this month the first line plays like the first line uh, well, of and course. goes off and starts putting up numbers like they were last season. So then season, it's about winning then, great. not development. I guess, sure. You, you're trying to do both, if they, which if, is possible, but if they, I don't If they come the out of like this month w- with a winning record, then I would say, yeah, they're probably in a playoff spot by then. And, oh, I, I and think I think you're they're right. probably going to be pushing for it. If Zabanajad like, goes off, well, that's what I'm saying. But if if they have another mediocre, not even because I mean, if they keep playing like this, like they have been, I'd be yeah, do it right now, just do it. But even if they have like mediocre, a mediocre month or mediocre few weeks, when Hedl comes back, I think it's 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 a no brainer. Hedl, Panarin, Kako, Lafreniere. Uh, Zabana, Jed, uh, Buchnevich, and then Kreider would play on the third. I have no problem with Kreider on the third line. I really don't. Well, I mean, I honestly, also, I, I, I don't, don't understand why he's on power play one either. I think what people are forgetting is that, and again, this is nothing personal. They think everybody thinks Chris Kreider is a great guy. I mean, he's, he probably is. And he's had some moments, right? For sure, as a Ranger. But I think people forget that even last year, 
when there was, I think a lot of folks were thinking he was definitely gone, right? I, I think a lot of people he, I were was surprised yep. that they signed him, right? I was one of them. I was extremely but surprised. But part of the reason that people were talking about how they had pretty much resigned themselves that he was going to be traded, right, was that how could you give, and I think Larry Brooks may have written an article about this too, I, I could be mistaken, but... How could you give a guy like Kreider a long-term contract because he's been so inconsistent. inconsistent? That's like his thing. He goes through big parts of the season where for all of his physical ability, he has such great talent, there are games that go by where you don't even notice him out there, mm -hmm. right? Especially as he's gotten older. So now yeah. – And he's only getting older. Now, Kreider had a, a good, really good year last year, right? And now everybody seems to think that the previous six or seven years, they, they're just – They just didn't exist. They're going to come out they of thin air. didn't exist, right. Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. We shouldn't be surprised that he's – been a bit invisible because that's not the aberration that's that's not the exception that's kind of been the norm for his career so he's reverted back to the norm now and we got seven more years of that now i have see now they signed up for seven more years for seven million dollars or whatever no offense to chris Kreider. no but i mean just like in case you know just in case he tunes listening. in yeah, I mean, he seems like a great guy i would love just to hang case. out with him i yeah i totally would i'd love to hang out with chris Kreider. but i'm just saying He's got he's seven million dollars a year for seven more years. Now that contract is pretty brutal. I think we all can agree, especially because I personally don't think he's going to be on the first line for all seven years of this contract. I would hope not. That's but, a good point. Exactly. But here's the thing: I don't have a problem with him. The only problem I have with him being on like the third line for seven more years is that he's getting paid seven million dollars to play on the third line. Well, but in terms of his play on the ice. Third liner to, to to jump to dump and chase the puck, throw his weight around, get in front of the net. I don't have too much of a problem with that. Besides the fact that he's getting he paid, paid seven million dollars, he's on power play one. Why is like I right. think for but this is the, the thing that drives me crazy. He's be on the third line, I would think. This is what drives me crazy because the Yankees. I used to love it when they used to do it in the nineteen eighties before they were good again. They used to pay guys who were like the big free agents of the year and who were like not that good, but they the Yankees would need a pitcher, right? And they went to get this guy named Eddie Lee Whitson and he wasn't that good, but they gave him like an astronomical amount of money. They were paying him like he was the best pitcher in baseball. And then he would come to the Yankees and he would pitch like Eddie Lee Whitson. People would be like, this guy stinks. It's like, no, he's actually pitching the way he's always pitched, but you're paying him so much yeah. money that you expect him to be a number one starter and he's not. So like now I kind of feel that there's always that pressure to, oh, we're paying this guy. We're paying this guy, right? He's got, he's on the first, and I get why he's on the first line. He had a lot of chemistry. They had a great year last year, him and mm -hmm. Buchnevich yeah. and Zibanejad. But to your point, does that mean he's always going to be on the first power play? He's always going to be on the first line? What about if he goes 30 games this year and he scores five goals? Is this like written in stone? He's the first line guy because we decided to sign him for $7 million a year, $8 million a year. I mean, it's just insanity. Yeah, I know. I know. Luca, you have thoughts on Kreider? Who is Doc Luca I'm you sorry. keep talking I'm about? I'm so sorry. Dr. Toboggan. Well, going off what you guys said, he'd be much better as a third liner. And he started the season, right? Didn't he start early in the season? He was on the third line. Loff was, uh, I think, jumped up the to the winger. Yeah. But that didn't on last the long. Line, there was no. moments there where he was on the third there line. There was a couple of games ago he was on the third line, yeah. but so, then they moved him around again, like in like in the middle of the game. Mm. But but yeah, again, I have no problem with him on the third line. I think his attributes would work well on the third line. The only problem you, I have with you that is you don't pay a third line. That they're giving him seven million dollars. Right. For, well, for 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 that. I'm hoping that some of these chickens don't come home to roost too soon. 
You got, you know, you got a, a couple of guys coming up their contracts soon. You got the Truba contract. And I think yeah. he has some sort of, I don't know if he has a full no move clause or a limited no move clause. That's nice. I think I could be wrong about that. You got the Kreider contract. I mean, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But look, it's a big game tomorrow. It's a big test the next couple of weeks. Wait, games tomorrow? I hope. Yeah. You, how oh. are you going to be a co-host exactly. of a Rangers fan? Father, son's I didn't know that. podcast. You don't even know they're playing tomorrow. Oh, it's because, you know, Unbelievable. school. I, For um, some reason, I thought I guess, there was a game today. I guess I'll use this podcast to make an announcement that um, Mantis Toboggan was adopted. He's not my biological son. He's not an actual son. Yeah. I know. This is the first time he's hearing of this, it actually. Is. It is. Now he's crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that might be a good place to uh, to bargain. Did you want to say something at the end there? Um. Yeah, I hope they can. You know, a win against the Bruins would be great. But until then, Georgie lets up five. Wow, Jesus Christ. Um, I don't think he's gonna let up five. Yeah, you're right, eight. Oh my God! I'm just you I'm hate just Georgie. No, he's I a big don't. D'Angelo fan. Georgie. That's why Toboggan loves Georgie. D'Angelo. There's a big picture of him in his room. I never liked D'Angelo. Yeah, Tony D. Just Tony his face D. on my wall. Tony D. All right, folks. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, we are going to speak the language of sports. Sometimes that's the only language that fathers and sons can uh, communicate on. But you know what? It's always better to communicate than to not communicate. Fight milk. Once again, yes. Please, please frequent our sponsors, Fight Milk, the only crow-based protein drink. Alcoholic. Alcoholic drink for you. And please, Wolf Cola. Wonderful, wonderful beverage. Please frequent our sponsors. Patronize (laughs) our sponsors. And uh, we look forward to talking to you after the uh, next uh, couple of games. And uh, maybe we'll be in a better mood. Yeah. I guess I guess that's a good place. To well, end. I'm looking right. forward to the Henrik Lundqvist episode. That's the only. Yeah, Dad's really looking forward to all that. Right, actually, we'll, we'll talk about that I at mean, another time. We're going to do coming. an episode about the greatest Ranger of all time. I mean, oh, good. We're going to do one on Brian Leach. Good. Perfect. Wow. Listen, all I'm going to say is Brian Leach. Brian Leach, really? Well, he's a homegrown Ranger. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, greatest Ranger, yeah. of course. Brian Leach is, you know, Jeff Bukaboom. <laughs> Steve Baker, Craig McTavish. All right, folks. Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson's. Yeah, he's going to etch his name in that Johnson pantheon of tomorrow. great players. All right, everybody, have a good day, good night, good weekend. We'll talk to you as always. NYR DNA. Remember what I say.